Y'all, my name is Peter. And my name is Carl. And you're listening to Do You Even Lift Bro? Men Exercising Social Justice. Thank you all so much for tuning in. We deeply appreciate it. Today, we're going to continue our series on dating. We have a guest today. Say hello to the people. Hello to the people. My name is Sage. Awesome. So before we get into the interview with Sage, how are you doing, Carl? I'm excited because um, this is one of the last ones that we're doing for the season. And Sage and I have been talking about the particular topic of today for a while, I think. And so to finally get it onto a recording to talk about the nuances of his experiences, I'm pumped about. So how are you today, Peter? I'm pretty tired, but I'm also really excited for the season to come out. I'm very tired, but I'm also really hyped to do this conversation because doing planning with Sage was really awesome. And this is going to be an awesome episode. Word. So the previous podcast episode, we talked about Tinder, right, Peter? Yeah. Um, you, Bailey, and I. And I think what we both realized was through that process, we're like, uh, you know, this is just heteronormative. Of course, yeah. And we're better. I don't know if we're better than that necessarily, but we're like, we need to continue to add perspective to this whole dating thing. Of course. And Sage and I, I think, have been talking about it for a while. And so we finally get the chance to do it today. Awesome. Yeah. This world of dating is so foreign to me. And just talking to Sage about the certain lingo and like what goes into the gay dating scene is just bewildered me. And (laughs) I'm really glad that I have learned And I hope y'all do too. So Perfect. Yeah. And so we're going to frame this in a certain way for our listeners, at least. Think about the ways, the cultural ways in which masculine norms sort of penetrate. Clever. (laughs) (laughs) Lots of seat, lots of different cultures. And so Sage, do you mind sort of talking about your most salient or telling us your most salient identities before we get started? Yeah, let's get into it. Like they said, my name is Sage. My salient identities um, mainly identify as a queer individual. Not really sure where I'm at on the whole sexuality thing. So queer is a great place, but I'm predominantly like what people would call gay, I suppose. I also identify as a mixed person racially. So I'm mixed with white and native. Shout out to my natives. In terms of gender, I identify as a cis man. So that's also very important. Awesome. It's interesting. So this whole podcast is all about masculinity. And what's interesting is that masculinity does, and toxic masculinity does show within the gay dating scene as Sage and I were talking about. And so our kind of groundwork is that this idea of masculinity still permeates throughout the gay dating scene, even though it's the same in a lot of ways and it's different in a lot of ways. Yeah, because when I think about gayness or queerness or whatever, I often think about like how it should subvert masculinity, traditional masculinity in a lot of ways, right? Because masculinity, what it means to be a man is supposed to be like being heterosexual. Yeah. And so when I think about what aspects of gay dating should be like good or cool, I think I'm often surprised to hear how not good and not cool it really is. And so Sage, where do you want to start for this particular conversation? I guess like you kind of actually laid some of the groundwork that I was going to go over, but I guess I'll just go where I'm at. So I want to make sure that there's like this understanding that like masculinity is like a status that's proved to other men. Right. Right. So like in a gay community, like in the gay community, not a gay community. Um, <laughs> I mean, there are multiple, but there you go. anyway, different podcast. So there's actually this like greater urgency to prove your masculinity to these other men because that's all there is. Right. Huh. OK. So in a group of men, it's, there's actually I think we've talked about it. Like there's a heightened sense of needing to prove yourself. And you're feeling you're saying that that's the same case for like gay dating. Like if you kind of think of it as like a fraternity that no one wants to be in, (laughs) like we're we're all paying a price to be in it. Kind of like the interesting. Okay. Right. I guess I really want to start off with like addressing 
something that's I've been thinking about a lot is that there's this common notion that the queer community is so accepting and that everything's just literally like rainbows and sunshine, you know, <laughs> and unicorns. Um, yeah. yeah, exactly. <laughs> but the reality is like much different. Like there are like different, like there's ugliness to every community. And that's mm-hmm. kind of like what I want to make sure everyone knows okay. is that to like demystify the queer community or because we all got work to do, right? For real. For real. I think for specifically for me, the phrase that I commonly hear out of like gay dating scenes is like grinder is the primary avenue of which men, gay men engage each other in various capacities, much like Tinder is, I think, for hetero folks. Mm-hmm. And the most common phrase that I hear coming out of the app is no fats, no femmes, no Asians. Mm-hmm. Um, and to me, that indicates a lot of different things. That indicates a lot of body privilege. That indicates some level of like reinforcement of gender roles. And then there's like a whole lot of racial going on in there, too. And so let's. Which one, which one of those three areas do you want to start with? I feel like we should start with no femmes. Let's do it. No femmes. Definitely just like femme for those who aren't putting it together. Um, Oh, that was rude. (laughs) That is a little (laughs) rude. (laughs) (laughs) Um, All right. So we don't think all of our audience is dumb. Um, okay, so so femmes that really relates to like men who are feminine or have traditional like feminine qualities, right? Um, and there's this whole in, kind of like internalized homophobia against these men, right? What do you um, mean internalized? So in terms of internalization of like oppression, as in this is what it means to be a man, and anything other than that is negative. Okay. And so this internalized notion of wanting to prove your masculinity in a traditional sense. So gotcha. having facial hair, having a big body, having lots of muscles, all these things like do still occur in the queer community. So in terms of no femmes, it's really there's this mask for mask culture, which is masculine for masculine, mm. um, which is really trying to alienate these feminine men in terms of not engaging with them or only a certain I guess, populace or group of men. What I think is interesting is that even within these spaces that you've mentioned, a lot of people think are all accepting and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. um, It is still, and Carl and I have talked about it, it is still not okay to be a woman Hmm. within these spaces Mm -hmm. or express feminine qualities. And I think on a, like a really level for me it kind of makes sense that gay men are more interested in masculine men right like if we're all indoctrinated with concepts of what masculinity is supposed to be like and being gay means liking masculinity in like some really dumb way and really like problematic ways i can see the logic of masculine men who are gay being attracted to masculine men who are gay right and so mm-hmm. the, the phrase no femmes is born out of that what's confusing mm-hmm. to me is like not being able to, to understand your own oppressed experiences as being gay and not translating that to other areas. Does that make sense? I think so. I think what you really touched on that was like important was the elimination of the feminine mm. in the queer community, or especially in the gay community, yeah. specifically the gay community. In terms of all these, quote, masculine men are looking for other masculine men. And if you're femme, you're not going to be engaged at all. That really leads into this trying to what some people call masking yourself. Um, it's like putting on a mask of I'm trying like I'm going to do affect my voice so that I'm more like deeply (laughs) voiced, you know, or I'm going to stand up in a certain way and try to make myself appear larger in order to um, kind of subvert 
the the oppression that comes from being queer um and you see that a lot in straight relationships too like the man like in personal experience whenever like i would be trying to flirt with a woman or something like that i'd make my voice really low or mm-hmm. something like that okay and i would definitely try to put off this like facade of masculinity that i might not even harbor myself mm-hmm, so i think what's interesting about this conversation is how similar it is to heterosexual um, relationships and the types of oppression that exists there mm-hmm. but in a different context kind of but the gender roles are still kept up definitely and that's like really a good segue into like heteronormativity that's like in like imposing these heterosexual like gender roles onto queer relationships it's kind of like making sure that this like more feminine person or feminine man is seen as a woman and the more masculine man is seen as a man which is kind of confusing but <laughs> right. um, there's like this underlying culture within queer community or gay the gay community and I just want to like make sure that everyone knows like and keep in mind that these are like expectations and not reality um often folks like exist on a spectrum of these roles like i myself like try to present more masculine but i also wear makeup and for me i think like going through like the different like journey through masculinity i've become more comfortable and like associating makeup not with femininity or masculinity but seeing it more as art Mm -hmm. um and like but still recognizing that there are folks who would be like yeah you're acting like a woman like by putting on makeup right okay yeah and i think like a lot of what i've heard about um the stereotypes of gay relationships is that an outsider would be like oh right who's the man and who's the mm-hmm, woman definitely. and we've all heard that statement before but it's interesting that internalized expression is still expressed within gay communities of what as what you've said and there are still gender roles and there's still like this idea of like there has to be a man and a woman within a relationship mm-hmm. even though they're both men yeah exactly and i guess that like leads into this classification of gay men um that leads especially within like a sexual context in terms of top and bottom so the top or yeah what's considered a top is expected to be the man in the relationship and the bottom is expected to be a woman and this shows up in both sexual and non-sexual contexts uh or contexts um contacts (laughs) (laughs) give me the digits um so (laughs) anyway so a top is being more masculine like physically having like a very muscular body being like physically large like what i was talking about in masking as well as like physically more than sexual like having a large penis like being this man's man and like in behavior they're being more like dominant in like the sexual scene like being the penetrator like if you're talking about like anal sex or even oral sex i think it's really important to also relate this to like heteronormative ideas that for a top sex is focused on his pleasure in terms of he ejaculates first like he comes first and like it's focused on making the top feel good and the bottom is supposed to provide that for them and i guess for the bottom like traditionally is supposed to be more feminine in quotes obviously and they're supposed to be physically like smaller Hmm. than this um than this man who's supposed to be like the top behaviorally they're like more passive like they're to be like subordinated like i was saying earlier they're expected to help the top come more than anything and their pleasure is second i remember conversations between us around like body hair is a component Mm -hmm, in that and then maybe specifically race is also a component in that and that's where some of the no asian stuff comes in Mm -hmm. is and that's probably specifically east asian men yes where there's a cross now here between gender sexuality and race around the way we construct certain races in terms of their sexual prowess Mm -hmm. um and my question is like is there value set 
in these roles, if you will? Like, is there more value in being a top or mask and white or black and Latino in the gay, the gay male community versus being smaller, more feminine and Asian in terms of having less value in either relationships mm-hmm. or in sex? Definitely. Like I definitely like observe that in my like own experience, like being on apps or like engaging with other like, queer folks and having these men who identify as Asian ex- like talk about their experience of like being expected to be subordinate, being expected to be a bottom and kind of like this like earlier saying that masculinity is a status proved other men, this like urgency in themselves to prove themselves in other masculine ways. So I know a lot of queer like Asian men are like gym bunnies. Like they just go into the gym and they gym try to bunnies? get bunnies. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so there's like a whole nother classification based on body size okay. and body type in the gay community. Say more. So the traditional like masculine feature, that's like a hunk or like a jock, you know? Okay. And then what's a bear? A bear. Okay. So a bear is usually a, it's interesting because like it's based on age too, okay. like an older man, typically let's say white, let's, let's go there. Okay. Um, and also having or having like more body hair across his entire body, you know, everywhere, including his face. What's um, an otter? An otter is like a slimmer version of a bear kind of like, but not a cub. A okay. cub is a very, like it's a younger bear. Like, it's, there's, so much. There's, there's so much like, <laughs> welcome to the taxonomy of queer. Okay. <laughs> <Gay> man. One one <laughs> for real. Um, and it's like an otter. Yeah. Like being slimmer, but also still having body hair. And then if you're slimmer, but don't have body hair, you're classified as a twink. Okay. A twink. Twink. Is that off a Twinkie? I don't actually know. Okay. I don't remember. Like, honestly, if <laughs> right. I'm being transparent. Other animals? Other animals. Um, wolves. Wolves. What's wolves a wolf? exists. Um, they're typically the, like, the gym bunny, but older. And typically, huh. like, yeah, they're kind of uh, the, I guess, yeah, like the predator version. Okay. Not in, like, a... In more of like the um the seeker, like this dominant man, like instead of being like a bunny, like, oh my god, I just like Where go. you're hunted, yes. fluffy and cute. It's yes. so like the wolf is the hunter. Fascinating. Um mm-hmm. very dominantly masculine, typically has facial hair, um, is swole usually. Um swole, is that what you said? Swole. <laughs> <laughs> like some lots of muscles. Um <laughs> I thought this was called do you even lift bro um, <laughs> that's the question <laughs> and they definitely lift okay. bro so other classification questions <laughs> the, the stereotypical masculine body i think we understand is like cut rip six pack eight pack whatever and so is there like uh not classification but maybe tiers or like a hierarchy of body type yes What's yes, that? Definitely like, um, so there's this app called Scruff and it's like a global app and there's this part in it where it says like most woofed. So it's kind of like you okay. woof, you woof at people kind of like dogs. I, I don't know. Which <laughs> is like a whole nother thing because it's called like Scruff, like Scruffy or whatever, like a dog. Anyway, so you get to woof at these people, which is like a non-actual message way of interacting with them. And they have like profiles and they have like most woofed in the last hour, most woofed like okay. this, whatever. And all of the men look the same. <laughs> They're okay. all generic white men. Typically, like, and in this, like, app, it's more of the bear to, like, muscle daddy kind of thing. Okay. <laughs> if we're going there. 
I, I remember just being astounded by literally someone taking a Xerox of this one man and putting it on all of these profiles. Like <laughs> literally the same man. I think what I'm sort of picking up in this conversation so far is like, it's not enough to be a marginalized, have one marginalized identity. Like the process of social justice, the, the, the reason why we're doing this is it's a great examination into the ways in which problematic masculinity can filter into like anybody's life and then become expressed in very problematic ways. And so I do eventually want to get to how you, Sage, personally subvert and deal with that in the context of the stuff that you've learned in like men in the movement and stuff mm-hmm. and stuff like that. But is there any other aspect of gay men dating that you wanted to bring out to sort of further highlight the ways in which problematic masculinity impacts the gay men community? Um, so definitely like the non-sexual part that I was talking about earlier, um, just in interactions. Um, Peter and I were talking about this last week and the top is expected to be like this go-getter, the initi- initi- mm. initiator mm. of conversation, like very forward in speaking, makes decisions. Like if you're talking about an actual like romantic relationship or even just reaching out on an app, a top is expected to initiate that conversation what was that meme that you showed me oh was the meme the okay <laughs> so i think i think this is this really is interesting hilarious. so there's actually this meme of that bottoms will stop typing when they see the typing bubble come up in messenger so if like damn so it's a meme which is like supposed like you know parody is actually like targeting real issues and it's like the bottoms are supposed to be like passive in conversation. And so if you're if you're a bottom texting a top and the like the bubble comes up, you're expected to like stop typing, like delete what you have and then wait for their response. So they basically get their voice taken away. Yes. That's what I think is so interesting is that this like what you've been saying, like this femme body as a twink. Mm-hmm. I, I like there's all these cool words for all these other classifications like mm-hmm. wolf and like otter and like bear. And then <laughs> the one that kind of diverts a little bit away from that masculine identity is called a twink, which mm-hmm. I think is a very offensive term. Like if I got called a twink, I'd be very offended. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't sound as in prestige as a, mm-hmm. like a wolf or something like yeah, that. Yeah, and I think you bring up like a really, you got the cogs turning in my brain. Um, <laughs> thinking of like who is popular, who is seen in like dominant culture, like mm-hmm. seen as like on TV, like the who's popular, gay people who are popular in the media actually fall into the twink category a lot of the time or they fall into this like average slim to average size body and typically i mean they're white they're they're able-bodied and so it's interesting like on a dating app a twink is seen like a negative way socially they're who people point to okay like 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 troy savon like queer eye guys are twinks not all of them are all right some of our buffers Huh. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like I think the only one, like even Jonathan, isn't a twink. Like, like none of them are actually like twinks. Huh. Queer eyes are great. A fantastic actual like representation of what is, is expected physically in the gay community. Like all of them are able bodied. Um, Jonathan's the only one who isn't actually like has any kind of like, muscle mass. Like he's just existing, and but I think that's like his role in the show, right? Be accepting of his body and like all this, and like I love him for that. Like when you look at the other folks, like Anthony or Tan and Karamo, like they're all very muscular. Hmm. I mean, Bobby isn't like muscular, but he's enacting masculinity in this like I can build things kind of way. Okay. <laughs> like when you think about it, like that's right. that's the way he's bringing out masculinity. The only one that really I don't want to say only one, but the only person who's like challenging masculinity, like 
very like intentionally seems like it's Jonathan. Mm. And I think that's why like a lot of the gay community is like, yeah, it's Jonathan, go queen. (laughs) Because he's like challenging these norms. So there's a difference between the media's ideal for what a gay person looks like and what the gay community is ideal. Yeah. Yeah. Because it seems like what you said about the twink being the most represented within mainstream media, it Mm -hmm. seems like a lot of people are threatened by the gay community. Mm -hmm. So they find the most feminine and most non-threatening idea of what a gay man is. And that looks like it to be the twink Mm -hmm. instead of anything else. So that still goes along with gender roles as the more feminine you are, the less threatening you are. Mm -hmm. So the more accepting the mass media will be with this identity and culture. This like gay poster child. Yeah. It's up. (laughs) <laughs> for real. I hate it. Thank you. <laughs> Perfect. And so, Sage, in what ways do you then engage in the gay dating scene that is gay man dating scene that is subversive or creates change or like, what do you do? I guess for me, like after being in men in the movement and becoming more like socially aware of like these power dynamics, like through my different classes and just in introspection, I came to more identify like myself as like verse. And so verse is you can be a top or a bottom. It's kind of like this middle ground. Just um, short for something? Versatile. Gotcha. Yeah. Versatile. Like kind of like. Mm, I almost said a tool, but I'm not a tool. So I don't know. <laughs> um, <laughs> jack of all trades. Um, there we go. <laughs> so jack of all trades, master of none. A master of none. No dominance here. Um, <laughs> anyway, um, so like that's like what I'm doing is like, I don't want to be put in either category, like challenging this binary, like this false dichotomy that is supposed to exist. But I still see this like pressure to adhere to this like box or these boxes. So like a lot of times, like if it's, if someone has like in myself, like having verse on my profile, people are like, so are you a top or a bottom? And it's like, can you not read? <laughs> like, I I mean, obviously you know how to use words cause you got this app downloaded. But like for me, it's just like not engaging in this, like, am I a top or a bottom? Like I'm neither and I'm both at the same time. And I think that like, I guess leading back into like my own identity, like as a mixed person too, like I'm not white or native, I'm both and trying to straddle this like oppression that is there and trying to like in, I guess in terms of actually like challenging it is by existing, which is like prophetic and everything, (laughs) but um, actually like engaging with everyone instead of trying to only engage with like these masculine men or this body type because I don't have that body type. I don't have the dominant body type. Like I'm a heavier set dude. Like that's just my reality. And if people interact with me, I don't let them like try to put these stereotypes on myself. I will wear makeup and I will link to my Instagram profile. Like (laughs) you will see me looking fierce. And if you have a problem with it, that's your problem. It's not mine. So for men who are listening, who identify as queer or gay, and they want to get out of this box, what are some simple steps or some like beginner steps that they could take to try and subvert this masculinity? The first thing that really changed where I'm coming from was actually being intentional and learning about what masculinity is or what it can be. Like learning for me that there's not a masculinity, there are masculinities, like Mm -hmm. it's a pluralized um, existence, right? And realizing like internally that I can make my masculinity whatever I want it to be. And I mean, obviously it sounds great on paper, but there will be folks that try to put you back into boxes. And that's like one of the major things that occurs 
and it's just stay strong. Um, but also <laughs> like just trying to gain this like confidence in yourself in in your masculinity and finding folks that are also like trying to like, I guess, bend and break and destroy these boxes that exist and just, yeah, just engaging with other men and bringing up these like conversations of like, so I've noticed that being a top is like being the man. How do you feel about that? And like being intentional with your understanding of who you are as a person and knowing that that's a continual process is really important as well. Cause I don't have this masculinity thing figured out. Like I'm still working through it. Word. Anything you want to add before we talk about you? In terms of like relating back to the sex conversation, um, if you relate it to like pornography or to dominance, like tops are expected to like tear up that or bottoms hmm. are seen like this objectified way okay. of like you are the vessel of his like enjoyment, right? This relates to this like objectification of the man seen as the woman, which relates back to misogyny, hmm. where, which is like the basis of homophobia, right? I think it's a really interesting intersection of the way homophobia is taught in all men also strips us of the ability to be intimate with each other. And so when that gets intensified in gay sex specifically, then like it sounds like it becomes more violent. It sounds like it becomes less about two people being together and more about dominance and power and like mm -hmm. getting off in ways that align with very like problematic heterosexualities and masculinities. Mm -hmm. Definitely. Like Peter and I were talking last week about like with this objectification that a bottom is just a hole to fill. That's and really interesting how it's like still objectified and those gender roles are still implemented because that idea of like just a hole to fill reminds me a lot of heterosexual relationships when there are problematic men within the scene. So I don't know, like I think the one most interesting part about this conversation is we wanted to get into all like a more diverse perspective on relationships and stuff. Mm -hmm. And it seems like the same oppression or different, the same oppression expressed in different ways are still enacted in different communities. Yeah, there's definitely like these like similitudes between like oppressions. I guess one that I really think about is adherence to traditional masculinity, like masculine norms as like if you are feminine quote in these other ways, like you don't have the perfect body, you don't have like all these things. Like if you are fat, you're also expected to amp up your masculinity. So in terms of like what I think about is in relation to like women, if like you are like a like heavier set woman, you're expected to be perfect at makeup, wear like fantastic clothes, all these things. It's very similar, especially for men. Like if you are a heavier set man, you're expected to have a lot of facial hair. You're expected to have a lower voice. You're expected to be more dominant in these other ways that you can make up for, not physically. I really wanted to put that in there because I think it's a really important word. Well, thanks so much for sharing, Sage. It's uh, really interesting to get a lot more perspectives on this channel, especially when it comes to dating, because it is a very confusing scene for everyone involved. Agreed. Um, yeah. <laughs> so thank you so much for sharing. Uh, I think you've enlightened a lot of, you've enlightened me at least about the uh, gay community with when it comes to dating. So we always talk to our guests about their journey through masculinity. And I was wondering if you could tell us your story about masculinity yeah um so i guess i'll just start from the beginning 
coming out of my mother's womb. Um, <laughs> gross. <laughs> gross. Oh my god. Um, actually, it's not gross. It's true. It's just natural. <laughs> yeah. Actually, it's I didn't funny. come out of the womb. Like I was ripped from my, other, my mother's womb. I'm actually a, a platinum gay. I don't know what that means. Um, so <laughs> that means that since I've never touched a vagina, like C-section? I was section. Yes, I was. <laughs> I was C section. And oh my god, because there's like Just, I guess never mind. I'm technically the, a gold. I'm yeah. I've touched. A there's never different mind. levels to <laughs> this too. Yeah. Oh my god. So like, <laughs> there's such high value then, and like this. The, the intensity of the demonization of feminist uh, feminization or like the female body is intense. Mm-hmm. Platinum gay. Okay. Platinum gay, never touching a vagina. And then there's gold star gay, like if you were born through the vaginal canal. I was a platinum gay. Was. And so being raised, I was raised in South Dakota, which as some of y'all might not know, is a super conservative state where like queerness is basically demonization. There are a lot of like values still attached to the hetero relationship. And I grew up in a ranching community, um, which is basically like masculinity on steroids. Um, <laughs> because like if I grew up in like a city in South Dakota, it might have been a little different because there'd be like actually other like queer people. Yeah. So I was raised, raised in a town of 300 um, little white river, South Dakota. And just basically like growing up on the ranch, being told to cowboy up basically equal like man up or if you cried like man up get over it also i guess in relation to masculinity and like gender norms growing up on the ranch like i was expected to go out and do like the dirty work while my sister like stayed in and like cooked and cleaned and like all this stuff and i was actually thinking about this a while ago that i never like up until like coming to college like i didn't have to do a lot of like household stuff just because like my family was very like traditional like in terms of like gender norms like my mom cooked my mom cleaned all these things and if i had to do chores i had to go chop wood (laughs) okay (laughs) like and so it's like we're not gonna make a joke there um, but anyway, um, so yeah, in terms of like chores and like stuff like that, I was just expected to do the more masculine things. Even if I, like, once I did come out, I was expected to do more like, gotcha. um, it was like, all right, if you can be gay, but just do it this way, like huh. make huh. sure that you're still masculine in like all these other ways. Like, don't be that gay. There was a special kind of gay that I was expected to be. Okay. But I didn't do any of that. Uh, (laughs) It was kind of like a revolt in a way because my sexuality is very tightly interwoven with my gender. I said, screw y'all to all of this in terms of I was still doing like all the ranch stuff and like being masculine in that way. But once I like I was in plays, I was in choir, I was in all these like traditionally feminine, like the arts kind of things. Mm -hmm. And um it was really just like that was my challenge to masculinity, mm. my challenge to being straight in this community. I guess like whenever I came to college, like I just had this like, all right, I've been trying to be this like masculine person for so long and I'm just tired of it. Like I like being in choir. I like being in these like feminine quote things. And it was by joining like men in the movement that I realized like the things I've been experiencing have a name and the way that I've internalized this, like, mis- like I can't internalize misogyny because I'm not a woman, but, like, I've, like, adhered. You can internalize misogyny, yeah, for sure. Like, oh. there's such thing as internalized dominance, too, right? Like, internalizing the fact that you are better than someone. Yeah, there it is. 
like like I've internalized these messages about what it means to be a man and it was a lot of unlearning and I'm still doing so much of that unlearning especially like now that I've come into this new acceptance of my masculinity and this pluralization of my masculinity I can wear makeup but I can also go fix my truck like <laughs> I can also do all these things that are traditionally masculine and I can do these things that are traditionally feminine and that's okay that's my masculinity word awesome thank you for sharing of course you talked a little bit about ranch culture specifically you were expected to be a certain type of gay what was it in you that rebelled against that like what in your experience kind of primed you to be like you know what you guys basically Mm -hmm. Uh, i was channeling my inner cartman there you like i'm gonna do me in a Mm -hmm. place that i imagine is pretty dangerous to be out as gay and so can you talk about like how you were primed to be able to do that in the first place um, so I'm thinking back, like I grew up in a family of very strong women, um, okay. strong native women, strong women in general. All my cousins, like I was the only male cousin um, huh. out of like 10 grandkids. And so I grew up playing house and like mm. all these things, but also going out and doing like the ranch work. Like after I was done with the ranch work, I went back inside and played house with the girls. Okay. Right. And I think like that, like primed me in order to have this like. I can do these things at the same time. And like, as I grew older, like my parents and like going to school, a lot of like the, um, the teachers were also like in the ranching community. Like they were families. They were like, yeah, you should go play with the boys and like all this stuff. And it was like, they're dirty. Like, (laughs) like they're stupid. Like, cool. Like I'm chilling. Thank you. Um, and so like, I just had like one of my best friends that goes to school here. Shout out to Julia. She uh, was with me through that whole thing and was like, you know what, like, I'm going to accept you as you are. And I think like that was like really a major key for me was just finding the folks at that school, like the school that I graduated from had like 100 people and like there were 28 people in my class. And so finding these folks who who were supportive of me as a person was like really primed me to like even feel comfortable to come out in this place because even after I came out like I messed around with this dude and shortly like both of our both of our families were like in ranching community like were connected to the ranching community and after we did it he was just like if you tell anyone I'll kill you and he was crazy enough that I believed him because he (laughs) yeah guns yeah very much so and so I guess like that also shaped my experience, which I totally must have forgotten about. Um, probably trauma. Um, (laughs) but, um, definitely just like finding these folks who were like, maybe they weren't gay, but like were accepting of who I was and just like feeling comfortable, like expressing my femininity around them, like my, whatever femininity is not straightness. Um, Yeah, like just having these folks who supported me in the way that I identified and didn't question it was really important. And I came out, the first person I came out to was my sister in 2013. So it's been almost five, yeah, over five years. And I just told her and she accepted me in the way that I was. And then I was like, hell yeah, here we go. And I just like started coming (laughs) out to like different people. I didn't tell my dad for like three years. So I came out to him after I came out to him and he didn't like, he didn't take it bad, but he wasn't also like, yeah, like you're gay. Um, like <laughs> he was like, you know what? You love who you love. 
And if you're safe, that's all that matters. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Which was totally unexpected because <laughs> like he's like a man of color too. And so like there's a whole like different layers on top of that mm. too. him just like saying like, yeah, you're gay and I still love you. But also we're going to like enroll you in some like fighting classes or like, okay. I'm like, okay, risk reduction strategies. Like <laughs> There they are. They don't work. Um, I mean, they can work, but anyway. Um, so yeah, there's definitely that. And after coming out to my dad and like going to the city, AKA a town of like a little bit more than me, um, (laughs) it was kind of like, I just started being who I was and not hiding. And after that summer in rapid city, I just came back to white river and was like, I'm going to be gay and I don't care. And that's when I had people like start calling me and stuff like that. I don't, I'm sorry folks who are triggered by that word um, I guess we did. okay getting called expletives and um the f word the f word and but not, not- <laughs> 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 that's so funny anyway and just being like i don't care bro like go be with your girlfriend like i don't care like she's sitting right next to me like we're friends <laughs> like okay <laughs> and yeah just like coming to coming to college and just like realizing that there's so much more in this world and that there's so many more masculinities that I can make my own. That was like really, really shaped my experience and continues to shape my experience. Word. Well, thank you, Sage, for sharing a piece of you with us today. We do also like to get to know people on a different level. So is it cool if we transition into some rapid fire questions? I'm down. That's what's up. Um, I got one. Okay. Yeah, you go first. Favorite geological formation? Favorite geological formation. Can it be specific? You want me to be specific? No, can it be specific? Whatever you want, man. It's your it's your question to answer. Um, my favorite geological um, formation is probably the Badlands in South Dakota. They're lit. <laughs> They're also going to be gone in like a while. Yeah. But it's fine. Not erosion. <laughs> What's your favorite holiday? Oh, I f- hate holidays. I, I, I like <laughs> high key. Like I don't celebrate anything except my birthday. Hey, that's my birthday is my holiday. Yeah. Yes, <laughs> twenty one girl. <laughs> Woo! <laughs> favorite type of cow. Favorite type of cow, Black Angus. I was actually, my dad was going to name me Angus. And then my mom, like after she came out of surgery, was like, give me that birth certificate. <laughs> and so now I'm really? Sage. And so now I'm Sage. Yeah. He's huh. like, I'm going to name you Angus after cows. And I'm like, thank God. <laughs> like, bless up. Anyway. What's your favorite type of makeup? My favorite type of makeup. Mm, girl. Um, let me think. Hold on rapid fire uh okay so i think i'm just getting into eyeshadow and i look fierce so there's Duh. that oh lipstick actually lipstick. lipstick's my lit favorite name for a cow favorite name for a cow um <laughs> lulu we actually, we actually had a cow named lulu she okay. lost her ears oh what in, because she was born like super like early in the in the year and so they froze off Ooh. Okay. Poor Lulu. R.I.P. Oh, she's still alive. Never mind. <laughs> I go see her whenever I... Oh, I'm going to see her on break. Oh, hell yeah. What's your favorite article of clothing? Uh, Actually, underwear. <laughs> like I did not expect that. That's different <laughs> kinds of... Like, it's, I love... Pair? a pair? Yes. I actually have um, these, like... They're kind of like teal, like mint teal ones. They're... I f- love underwear so much <laughs> because... <laughs> Never mind. Fetish. <laughs> <laughs> <is>. But. <laughs> Radical. Favorite ranch instrument. Favorite ranch instrument. Or tool. Tool. Me. Um, <laughs> um, 
I honestly love that's called a potato bar. Potato <laughs> a, bar. A potato bar. Please say more. We both rant like my family both ranches and farms. Okay. Um, but predominantly cattle ranching. But there's this thing called the potato bar. And <laughs> I just I don't actually like it because it's like 80 pounds. It's literally a bar that you is used to get the dirt and like the soil off of the um what's it called? Potato? No, I don't know why it's called a potato a potato <laughs> bar, but that's what we call it. Um, it's yeah, like you get it out, you get the, like off of the. I'm gonna be my my mom's gonna be so embarrassed that I exist. Um, <laughs> <laughs> she's gonna be so mad. Um, potato bar, potato bar, get dirt off of something. <laughs> Is it another instrument? Um, yeah, it's a um, tractor tiller. The, the tiller, <laughs> um, you get dirt off the till. Okay. Because it'll get plugged up and then all the work that you do, all the ranching or all the farming you do for 10 hours is worthless because your rows are <laughs> f- <Okay. laughs> Potato bar. Potato bar. <laughs> also my favorite vegetable. Because <laughs> they're versatile like me. <laughs> okay. They sure as hell are. Well done. <laughs> Please keep my laugh in there. <laughs> the gaggle. It'll be there. I, I think we should end on Potato Bar. Potato honestly. Bar it is. Thank you so much, Sage. We really, really, really appreciate your story. Definitely. I really liked sharing it, and I hope I don't seem ignorant. Try not to make you sound ignorant. And that will do it for this episode of Do You Even Lift Bro? Men Exercising Social Justice. If you have feedback, thoughts, comments, questions, or want to be interviewed for a podcast, please email WJC at colostate.edu. That's WJC at C-O-L-O-S-T-A-T-E.edu. Huge shout out to the partnership between the Women and Gender Advocacy Center and KCSU here at Colorado State University. These are the folks that even allow this podcast to happen. For more content about masculinities, check out meninthemovement.blogspot.com. And for more information about the WJC, go to wjc.colostate.edu for more 90.5 KCSU content, go to kcsufm.com. Music production by Xavier Hadley, aka Zavley. Check him out at soundcloud.com slash Xavier Hadley. That's X-A-V-I-E-R-H-A-D-L-E-Y. Thanks for listening, everyone. Deuces. Woo! Because like whenever, all right. So have you heard of? No. So it's literally but but. So it's a. Oh God. And so do we have to bleep that? I'm not. I'm, I'm sure we could get away with being in there. Okay. I said. Um, this episode. But yeah. Be so. Hard to edit. I'm sorry. Um, hard. <sighs> anyway, that's erasure of people with like. Um, erectile dysfunction. Anyway, so yeah, platinum gay. Oh God. Sorry. <laughs>